0: the teaching on eternal judgment and in today's teaching we want to uh, explore the topic of the fact that unforgiven sin will be judged by our Lord Jesus Christ on that day. There is a a misconception in the church that when we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ uh, for our day of judgment that it will all be good news and that um, It's just going to be a case of we're going to be receiving rewards from our Lord Jesus. But uh, that's not what the Bible actually teaches us about our Day of Judgment. The Bible is quite clear on this aspect that um, all unforgiven sin that uh, we go to Heaven with will have to be accounted for on that Day of Judgment. So we want to explore that uh, topic in today's teaching. so the first aspect we want to look at is the fact that, and I've mentioned this already, is that our judgment will be completely impartial. It will be without partiality um, in its entirety. There will be no um, favoritism from the fact that we are children of God and so God's just going to excuse our behavior because we are His children, not at all. Everything will have to be accounted for on that day. And the opening passage of Scripture we can have a look at um, discussing the the truth around this fact that our judgment will be completely impartial is in 1 Timothy chapter 5, beginning at verse 19 through to verse 25. Um, The Apostle Paul writing, he says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. In verse 24, Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and of those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. And so in context, the Apostle Paul is talking about uh, sinful practices among, among elders in the church and how Timothy, had admonished Timothy, how they were to, he was to deal with the issue, in that he said those who are sinning, talking about the elders now, he was to rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest may fear. And then he goes on to say, some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. And likewise he talks about the good works are also, some are clearly evident, and those who are otherwise cannot be hidden, and so in context, the, the Apostle Paul is talking about the church. He's not talking about unbelievers, um, and he's talking about sin specifically in the elders in the church. Not even in lay members, uh, members of the lay uh, community in the church. He's talking about the elders who are serving as overseers in the body of Christ, and he says that some of these, uh, some men's sins are clearly evident preceding them to judgment, talking about the day of judgment with our Lord Jesus, but those of some men follow later. So he's saying that although we don't see the sin in some other believers, um, those sins nevertheless will come to light on their day of judgment because those sins will follow later. And so it's, we've dealt with um, our works being judged and the fact that we will be rewarded for all our works done in the spirit um, and we've also mentioned that all of our works done in the flesh will be burnt up now this is not talking really about works done in the flesh because works done in the flesh by and large are um, just the wrong motivation as such and and not doing what God called us to do but in this section we're dealing with we're dealing specifically with sin in the life of believers before an elder who is not um, walking in the calling that God's called them to walk in, for argument's sake. God has called them to operate in the gift of hospitality, but they're operating in the gift of giving, for argument's sake. We wouldn't bring that elder before the whole congregation and rebuke them in the presence of all because they got their calling wrong, not at all. This is talking about sin, because he says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except by two or three witnesses. So he's talking about sinful practices, adultery, um, lying, stealing, murder, that type of thing. He's talking about pure sin. And he's saying that sinful practices that believers commit, uh, some is evident, we see that in the church, we see when people... You know, commit sin in the church and everybody knows about it, but he says there are some sins that Christians are committing that nobody knows about except heaven, and those sins follow the individual when they go to heaven, and they will have to give an account when they stand before the Lord Jesus on that day uh, for the sin that they've committed. And we've dealt with this other passage that we're going to speak, uh, read now, Matthew 5, 18 and 19, But it just again highlights this particular truth for us, that unforgiven sin in this life will be judged on that day when we stand before our Lord Jesus. Our Lord speaking, he says, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall also be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And so breaking the Lord's commandments, whichever one it is, is a, is a sin that's disobeying God. That is in direct opposition to the law of God. Now the Lord doesn't say they will be cast out of heaven. He doesn't say that at all. They still are in the kingdom of heaven. But nevertheless, they are placed in this camp called least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, in order for the Lord to be um, stating that some will be placed in the the area called great in the kingdom of heaven, and some will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, the the differentiation between those two, according to this passage where our Lord taught on the subject, was the one who broke the commandments of God. And... um, He said even the least of the commandments. You break that, you sin against God, there is going to be an eternal consequence to be paid. Not your salvation. The salvation remains intact uh, because we are sons and daughters of God. But there is an eternal consequence. And the consequence is you no longer are classified as great in the kingdom of God, you are now classified as least in the kingdom of God for all eternity. And so there is definitely a consequence um, about unforgiven sin on that day. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 to 5, the Apostle Paul writing around the same subject, he says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I have nothing against myself. Yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring both... Uh, bring, both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsel of the heart. And so again he's talking about the hidden motivation. Now the, the, the hidden motivation can either be good or bad. And if it's the hidden thing of darkness, darkness is not good. And so there's impure motivation for what the saint has done in their lives on in whatever issue will, they will have to give an account for on that day. Now they are obviously the good good side as well. Reveal the counsel of the heart and then each one's praise will come from God talking about good motivation. But the point is, is that even the the hidden things of darkness will be brought to light on that day. And so unforgiven sin will definitely be uh, accounted for on that day. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 to 25. And whatever you do, writing to believers, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong, as talking to Christians, to believers, will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. And so, again, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is just telling the church, Church, there's no partiality with God. And so it's not a case of because we are the children of god that we're excused um, in from sin in other words god overlooks our sin never does he overlook our sin we are always taught to deal with it and confess it and repent of it um and so to think that because we're a child of god and we're saved and we're going to go to heaven that we can sin and When we get to heaven, it's all forgiven and forgotten, not at all. Our day of judgment is coming, and when we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ, that unforgiven sin, um, he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. That is addressed to believers. That's addressed to Christians. And so we will definitely have to give an account to our Lord Jesus Christ for all unforgiven sin. No partiality with God on the issue. 1 Peter 4, 17 and 18 says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, talking about the church. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel, talking about all unbelievers? Verse 18, Now if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? And so there the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter is just telling us that this day of judgment is not going to be all a bed of roses and it's going to be just uh, you know all good news. There's going to be some bad news that will have to be dealt with at that day of judgment because God is not going to sweep anything under the rug not it won't happen that's why he says if the righteous one is scarcely saved so there's a lot of christians they will just make it into heaven they'll be in heaven but they will just make it in because they will have to give an account for all unforgiven sin um james 2 thir- uh, 12 and 13 we discussed already so speak and so do as those will be, who will be judged by the law of liberty for judgment is without mercy to hit the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Again, that's our judgment. And so we need to be showing mercy in this life because we are going to need the mercy of God when we stand before Him on our day of judgment for that which we have done in this life that we have not corrected. Um, 1 Peter 4, 7-8. So that's the kind of the admonition of the Holy Spirit to His saints. Guys, walk around being merciful in this life because if you have shown mercy, you will receive mercy. But judgment is without mercy to him who has shown no mercy. And there are Christians out there who show very little mercy in their lives. And we all need to be showing mercy so that we can expect mercy on our day of judgment. Don't forget, none of this uh, pertains to judging us as to whether we're going to be um, worthy of coming into heaven. Not at all. We'll already be there. We are worthy because we're washed in the blood of the Lamb, and we're born again. We're sons and daughters of God. But we're we'll talking about our eternal inheritance and how that will be impacted based on unforgiven sin. One Peter four seven to eight says, "But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, talking to Christians now, be serious and watchful in your prayers, and above all things, be f- have fervent love for one another." Why Peter? For love will cover a multitude of sins. And so James says to us, Guys, show mercy because we're going to need mercy in your day of judgment. And so you want to have that um, resource available to you from the Lord and that the Lord can say, all right, but you were merciful, so I can now extend mercy to you. Peter just comes from a different angle. He says, love will cover a multitude of sins. And so if we walk in love down here, this unforgiven sin that we have to give it an account for on that day because we have displayed love our love will have that impact of covering a multitude of sins on that day look at what uh, the Apostle Paul talks about with regards to uh, quite a righteous saint and how he is going to be needing to have mercy from the Lord on his day of judgment 2 Timothy 1 verse 16 to 18 Paul writing, he says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy when? From the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. In, in what day did Onos, Onosiphorus, Onosiphorus need to find mercy from the Lord? The day of his judgment. And so the apostle, this is a, I mean, the, the, the resume of this um, disciple seems great because this disciple often refreshed our, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Lord's uh, apostle Paul. Uh, he wasn't ashamed of his change. He sought him out zealously. He found him and he looked after him. And yet Paul still makes the comment, The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And so Paul recognized all of us will need to have mercy from our Lord Jesus in that day. Why? Because our unforgiven sin in this life will have to be dealt with on that day before we can go into the, the new age, into the eternity that God has uh, called us to, all of our unforgiven sin will have to be dealt with. It will be dealt with there. It can only be dealt with through the mercy of God. And that's why Paul says, The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. Um, the Apostle John talks around this same subject. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. He says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Again, this is addressed, addressed to Christians, to believers, and he's saying we need to be living a lifestyle so that when our Lord does appear, that we won't be ashamed before him. And so it's not the unbelievers that he's talking about that will be ashamed before our lord jesus it is the believers in this instance and he links it directly to righteousness where he says you know that he is righteous talking about jesus and you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him so again uh, very clearly the unforgiven sin in this life will have to be dealt with at the day of judgment It is the mercy of God that will uh, deal with it, but it will have a a negative impact on the believer for the eternal inheritance going into all eternity. Now just to reaffirm that all of our confessed sin will not be judged. It will be, um, and we did mention in the previous teaching, it will have already been wiped out of heaven's records, and so we will not be held to account for our, un, for our forgiven sin, our confessed and forgiven sin. 1 John 1, 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that means it's gone. And so we will not be held to account for that on that day. So it's very important for Christians to keep a short account of sin. Hebrews 10.17 says, Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds... I will rem- remember no more. So God, it, it, it doesn't form part of heaven's memory bank. And so once our sins are forgiven and washed in the blood of the Lamb, whatever it was that we did, we will not give an account for it on our day of judgment. It is uh, done away with. Um, and so that's just the concept that we need to keep in mind. Matthew six eleven twelve 12 says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so we need to be walking in forgiveness so that we too may receive forgiveness from the Lord. Now, in this area, as believers, we need to be on to look out for each other because one of the problems about believers who enter into a lifestyle of practicing sin is they tend to become blinded to the sin that they are practicing. And because they're blinded, they no longer are asking the Lord for forgiveness and that Debt of sin is just building up all the time. We pick it up in a couple of scriptures. 1 John 5, 16 says, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin not to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who sin not to to death. Uh, There is sin to death. I do not say you should pray about that. And so if we see from this passage of scripture, if we see a brother or sister in Christ who is sinning, um, we're not dealing with the sin unto death in this uh, teaching. There is such a sin. Um, we were talking about every other sin. The sin to death is to deny Christ. We're not going to touch on that. Um, but every other sin that any Christian commits, um, and another believer sees them committing that sin, the other believer can't pray to the Lord on their behalf. Lord, you know, forgive them, lead them to repentance, for the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Um, and the Lord will forgive them that sin. And that will help them to see the darkness that they're walking in so that they may turn around and repent. Um, for our Lord said that in this manner, John Gospel, John 8:34, Jesus answered them, "Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin." And so when Satan is able to tempt a believer to commit sin, he has them ensnared, they become enslaved by that sin, and it's very hard for them to break out unless another believer is praying for them. So we do need to be on the lookout for each other in this life. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 24-26, talking around the same subject. Um, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition if god perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will and so this is again a picture of believers not unbelievers because um, it's only believers that get taken captive by satan to do his will unbelievers are part of satan's kingdom all the time anyway and so they always are doing his will uh, to a greater or lesser degree. But this is talking about uh, we in humility need to be correcting our brothers and sisters in Christ who are um, caught up in some kind of sinful practice so that they can, God by his grace will grant them repentance so that they can come to their senses. Because they've they've gotten to that place where they are now enslaved by that sin. They can't really see anymore what they're doing wrong. And another believer has to help them out on that issue. Now, all unforgiven sin in this life has to be forgiven on that day of judgment because no believer can go into eternity with unforgiven sin. That sin has to be dealt with. And so um, our Lord actually did teach on the subject in Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 12 verse 32 he's speaking about uh, the eternal sin that gets committed when one blasphemes against the Holy Spirit the other eternal sin that gets committed is to deny Christ as Lord. But this one here is talking about the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But in the passage, he reveals the truth to us that unforgiven sin in this life will be forgiven on that day. It has to be. He says, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age, that's the age we currently live in, or in the age to come so that's an eternal sin to blaspheme against the holy spirit there is no recourse there there's no forgiveness there but our lord differentiates here and he says it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come and so what he our lord is is implying is that there are sins that cannot be forgiven in this age and cannot be forgiven in the age to come and that one is blaspheming against the holy spirit The second one I mentioned is to deny Jesus as Lord. But our Lord is then implying that there are sins that cannot be forgiven in this age but will be forgiven in the age to come. Um, Because you can't go the other way around. You can't have sin forgiven in this age and not forgiven in the age to come. Because if it's forgiven, it's gone. But you can have two types of sin committed in this age. The sin that will not be forgiven in this age and not forgiven in the age to come, but the sin not forgiven in this age but forgiven in the age to come. Now which sins are those? Those are all the unforgiven sins in this age. They will be forgiven in the age to come. They have to be. Otherwise the same cannot go in to the age to come because they have unforgiven sin in their lives. And so it's so important for us to recognize the concept that the unforgiven sin that we commit in this life, when I say it's unforgiven, it's because we forgot to ask for forgiveness. We sinned and we didn't realize that we should have asked, we, and we slipped and we forgot about it. It's only known sin. Forget about unknown sin, unknown sin. Uh, the Bible is very really plain on that issue, the blood of the Lamb cleanses that all the time. We're talking about when a believer knowingly commits sin. Because we can only confess our sins that we know that we committed, and those are the ones we're held accountable for. And so, if we choose not to confess those sins and repent of those sins, those sins remain on heaven's records, and they will have to be dealt with on our day of judgment. Revelation 21:4, the scripture says, "And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes; Um, there will be no more death, sorrow, or crying; there will be no more pain, or former things, for the former things have passed away." And so there's going to be tears on our day of judgment because we're going to miss it and we're going to have to repent and ask for mercy from the Lord in that day. And by His grace, He will be merciful. There's an impact. And so we need to be aware of this because we need to be walking this life with